This is Bragg, son of Balin, and you're listening to Light the Beacons, a Lotro podcast. Welcome to the world of Middle-earth. shall answer. Amon Dean, the Hill of Din. Yes, I'm a token literary expert, and that's how it uh, translates. Trust me. Uh, welcome to Light the Beacons, a Lotro podcast focusing on the episodic MMORPG Lord of the Rings Online, as well as related topics in books, movies, gaming, and the lore of Jorarar Tolkien. That's how his friends pronounce it. Trust me. This is episode 17, and I am your host, Brag of the Lonely Mountain, Flet runner and dwarf of ill repute, once again broadcasting live from the LTB Middle Earthwide headquarters atop the bridge shard in the foundations of stone. And uh, we're starting to attract a little bit of an audience down here. Um, I've got a Globsnaga spider, a cave claw, some lichens, uh, one or two blind, kind of slimy fish. Oh, that's Grima taking a swim. Sorry. Sorry, Grima. Uh, I'm working on a promo event called Fireworks in the Foundations, trying to convince Turbine to hold the anniversary event down here instead of Bree to create some foot traffic. Things are a little bit slow around here, if you know what I mean. And if I got to spend another couple weeks uh, talking to Grima all day, I am going to go insane. So uh, we're going to light this puppy up. I mean, we got fireworks stacked up all over the place around here, some of them even made by the big G himself. I traded him his old hat back for a few good ones. I've got Grima running fuses all over the caves down here, and uh, we're going to simulcast uh, the lighting, syncing it to the music of a new band called the Foundations of Stone Temple Pilots, a new band out of Wildermore. I've heard good things. Grima, keep that fuse line out of the water, you simpleton. I, I don't care how you do it. Float him on top of the glowing green crap. Here, take some fanoodles. Okay. So we need more fireworks. More. Go up to the flaming deeps. Tell those gashy high they better pony up more black powder or I'm going to beat down Crankluck in the forges for the 57th time. And he's already whimpering like a baby. Yep. Uh, there's a shortcut through the redstone loads. Just take a left at the Gradbeg Nursery. <laughs> there he goes. And watch out for the elite master deep claw rip talon. <laughs> he's only got 172k morale. Meh. Maybe he'll get lucky. He might not be out on the prowl. Um, so things shaping up nicely down here for the event, but in the meantime, we got a podcast to do, so let's light our second beacon. Okay, first it's time for CRAP, corrections, retractions, and apologies from last week. So, uh, I do have an apology to issue to all the hunters out there that may have been offended by my tweet introducing the last episode of LTB. I mentioned that the show's focus was on aggro. Uh, which would be nothing any hunter would need to know. And I am deeply sorry about that. What I should have said is that it's nothing any hunter would actually care about. Okay, so getting that out of the way, um, you guys hear the old joke, right? A hunter's definition of aggro is how jealous everybody gets at his overpowering DPS. 
what what I do what I do uh, viewer comments we actually uh, have uh, a viewer well you know we're not sure she's a viewer but we can assume that she views just not whether she views the podcast you know that technology doesn't exist yet I don't think it might a little challenged here in this foundations of stone um, she says I like the host who is knowledgeable and clever if I find out who that guy is that's taking over my podcast, I promise you I'll take care of him. Um, he, she says, I like the format and the original content. The mix is inviting, encourages me to dig deeper into the game and the lore of Middle-earth. Keep the beacons lit. And so we shall. Thank you, Leslie, for lighting in. I really appreciate it. Uh, iTunes review, I did inspire her to forego her dwarven apathy. Um, anyone else that would care to join, I really appreciate it. Uh, the feedback keeps me going. In this week's episode, we're going to talk a little about, about what we've been doing in game this week. Uh, we have a new, new edition of Top 10 Lists. It's time to put away our differences and to give the LI system some love, um, which may or may not be popular. Another edition of the Lotro Quest Chain highlight featuring the blade that was broken, perhaps the greatest quest chain in Lotro. Lastly, if there's time, we'll pour a huge bowl of sorbet over the head of Lindsay Buckingham. Sorry, don't know where that came from. Feeling a little bit wacky today. So viewers, let's view the lighting of our, and I know you're not viewers, but let's view the lighting of our third beacon. Nardal, this week in Locho, another Tolkien news. So let's talk about a little bit about what we've been doing in game. Uh, I myself, Bragg, uh, completed the uh, Mason section of the Dull Omroth quest chain, and uh, onward to the Swan Knights I went, and I had one last quest chain that was uh, sticking in my craw for the last few days. Uh, it came up this morning, and I was able to finish it. Uh, one of the quests that I were in the Swan Knights area, which was the last one that I kept, it was a little different than the others. I actually enjoyed it. It was finding and identifying the Corsair spotters. So the idea is that uh, they assumed positions on rooftops within Dol Amroth in order to direct um, you know, the invasion efforts. And the idea was that you had to run around the area and spot the, uh, the soldiers on the rooftops, um, clicking a little banner to identify them, at which point they were, in effect, neutralized. And um, I, I thought that quest was a little different than some of the others that had, you know, some of the others that had become somewhat repetitive running through the city. Uh, you know, most of them were variations of similar or the same. Uh, but I found this one was a little different. It was uh, interesting to run around, uh, keeping an eye on the rooftops of of the city. So this this points out one thing that I've done that I think Turbine's done well with the Dal Amroth quests. Obviously, they spent a lot of time on the space. Um, it's very detailed. There are some that think it's too detailed, and you know the only complaint I've heard is that it's a little Disneyland-esque. But you can't. I think you know there are places in the city where it does maybe go over the top with the statuary and the swan wings. But in general, I, I think it's a beautiful space, and um, I'm very happy with it. And one thing they've done well is through the use of the quests and the daily quests in Dal Amroth is to show off that space uh, to really let you get to know it and to have you explore every nook and cranny uh, to appreciate the craft that went into it. Um, so the Corsair Spotter quest was one that caused me to look up to the rooftops as I was running around and, and maybe take in a different perspective of the city than I've seen before. So I enjoyed that one. Um, one little tip regarding the Corsair Spotters 
Uh, don't aggro them. It is possible uh, to – I've seen groups of guys running after me. I look, and one of the spotters is in the group. And if you're AOEing everything down and you kill the spotter before you identify him, then you can't, you can't uh, finish the quest. You'll get stuck. So try not to aggro them by getting too close to the rooftops. Apparently, they can jump down into the square and run around after you. If they do, you can still uh, trigger the banner um, to identify them before, before you kill the rest of the uh, whatever group you've attracted. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, so the one quest I had remaining that I finished this morning was called the Injured Soldiers. Uh, and for the final quest of the Dol Omroth daily cycle, I came upon a bug. What are the chances? So I found three of the four injured soldiers in no time at all. I'd actually seen them on previous runs through there. The last one I was running around, could not find him. Eventually, uh, I found a quest ring on my map, went exactly to the spot, and saw no sign of him. It's basically, if you run through the... Uh, court of the fountain and up the stairs through the crafting area then there's a little another platform right before you get to the swan bridge um, and off to the right off to the left I'm sorry um, are some some gardens and ledges and uh, as it turns out what I expected was the case apparently the last injured soldier spawns on top of some kind of shelf or rooftop um, uh, that's sticking out and you can't you cannot reach him from the ground so I went out into the forums to take a look and find out if it was actually a bug quest and I saw other people complaining about it so it seems to be a common issue so all I have to say about that is really after all this time <laughs> and update 14.1 came out and this has not been fixed uh, I mean it should have been easy take one NPC and move him you know, a microcosm to the left so that he doesn't spawn on top of a rooftop, and it's done. I, I'm really amazed that they hadn't addressed that yet. Um, so I did find a forum search for a workaround. If you use the keystrokes to tab to the next NPC, uh, which is sometimes the delete key, but for me I've used that for other purposes, so I had to find a key combination that would do that. Uh, find next NPC, I was able to actually select the injured soldier, even though he was probably 100 feet above my head. As you know, sometimes you can aggro or address uh, mobs that are significantly different altitude than you if you get next to them on the map. And um, by right-clicking his portrait after I'd had him selected, I was able to interact with him. And voila, finish the quest. So, um, so that's a hint out there for you, those of you who might be stuck on that. So I got out of the the instance uh, somewhat expectantly and uh, talked to Barry Adur. He didn't have anything new to offer me. I ran in and talked to the Dol Amroth Queen and uh, she didn't have anything to say to me and, and I've, I think I've come to the conclusion I could be missing something but when I looked at the forums last week and now after I finished the last quest I have not found any capstone quest to all the Dol Amroth dailies and I have to say this is a huge huge problem for Turbine um, to have someone go through all that grind and finish all those deeds and have really the only benefit when at the end of the day is to say, well, I can get all the armor pieces on this one tune if I want. And most people won't even want them because they go ahead and get the essence gear anyway. You know, where is the incentive? You know, why would you even think about doing another tune? Yeah, I know you need the gear. But besides that, uh, it should have been at the very least like Hypebold where when you finished the reconstruction of the town, there was a final instance as a reward 
to uh, finish telling that part of the story. You know, whether it was a final battle or even just a scene in the throne room with, uh, you know, a number of the swan knights and the queen, thank you for your contribution, whatever it is, right? There should be something. This is a... This is a big mistake, and it's not too late for them to go out and add something and fix it to really kind of finalize uh, off the area. So I'm hoping that's something that's addressed in the future, or maybe I'm missing something, and I just, you know, there's nothing directing me to the next quest if there is something out there. So uh, that could be a problem as well. If any of you viewers, and, you know, I know, I know that you know, uh, have found something, have finished off the Dull Armoreth dailies and found something, some kind of lasting reward or meta deed attached to it, please let me know. Uh, I do remember that when the last update came out, they did add a meta deed for the completion of the Tarling's Crown area, uh, which was appreciated, and they should have one here, so it's not too late. Come on, Turbine, fix it. Okay, so uh, what else have I been doing? On my Cappy, uh, he's level 100 with all his virtues complete. Uh, the last virtue he needed to get to 19 was loyalty. And the only deed I could find undone for loyalty was farming the Hounds of Scumville. Some of you guys may have done this deed in the previous previously. Uh, it's a bit of a misnomer calling it the Hounds of Scumville. Uh, it's actually cave claws that you're uh, trying to hunt down. And as a level 100 captain, it wasn't hard to go farm cave claws in a scum fill. If you haven't done this deed before, what you can do is in the opening area, there's Kurgrim summoners. And every couple minutes, they'll tap their foot on the ground and bring a new cave claw out. So if you can aggro a few of those and uh, just sit there and not attack them and um, burn down the cave claws as they're summoned, you can go through that deed in fairly short order, which I did. Uh, my Cappy also went back and got his last class trade point from Western Johan, which was the East M net chain that ends in the Fenmarch. Uh, I also finished up two quick deeds that were almost done in the West M net uh, for slaying Dunlandings and Orcs. Uh, can always use the turbine points. And uh, with my tokens in that area, you know, I found in the past when I leave an area, if I don't spend the tokens, they sit there and they languish. Uh, <laughs> And you really should do whatever you can to get value out of them. So I did go back and I spent some of my tokens on some Helm's Deep jewelry upgrades uh, with tokens I was not using. And uh, through one of the jewelry sets, I was able to get a Shield of the Dunedain plus five duration bonus, uh, which brings it up, I think, to about 22 seconds of 75% damage mitigation which is pretty darn nice and powerful to use. Uh, pretty much something that's only used in grouping, but um, 22 seconds, if you can put that on your tank at a critical point of the fight, uh, that can get you through some pretty, uh, some pretty nice uh, spikes in um, your raid. So hopefully that'll be useful, at least until I have to break up the jewelry set <laughs> and lose that bonus. Uh, I was also playing a little bit with my minstrel. She is now 100 with all virtues complete. Uh, she did get a new, um, a new club, uh, so a new weapon, f but I'm waiting on the book for now. So <laughs> right now the, the pattern I seem to be following with my characters is to repla replace one of their uh, legendary items, but not both. You know, in some cases, it d just doesn't seem like the benefit is outweighing it. You know, if I've got all legacies tiered up and I've got Starlight Crystals on and, and all that, um, it doesn't seem like the jump for five levels from... 95 to 100 is is really worth it um in some cases i had uh 
item levels that were still at 85. So obviously I'm upgrading those to 100. So in each case I've found so far, I'm upgrading one and kind of waiting on the other. And I'm sure I'll get around to them eventually, but uh, seems like a good amount of work for not a huge amount of benefit. So I'm biding my time. And if I feel like I'm struggling in an instance and not doing my part, maybe I'll go back and take a look at it. But that doesn't doesn't seem to be the case right now. Uh, so my lore master will be my lex my next level cap project. Uh, he is halfway to 96 and just came through the Pass of the Dead and set up to execute the epic starting in Morlad. And um, I did jump on my hunter at one point because I saw a watcher group that was forming and I realized I had never completed the watcher on my hunter. It was one of the last deeds remaining for Moria for her. So I got that out of the way. It was uh, The Watcher run was quick and painless, as they tend to be nowadays. And lo and behold, I won the Ominous Pool. So all the Watcher runs I've done in the past, I've never won the Ominous Pool before, so that was kind of neat. Uh, very cool cosmetic that comes out of that raid. Um, if you've never seen it before, it's a, you know kind of a low stone pool that sits on your property. And if you go and stand in the center of it and click on it, a tentacle comes out and picks you up in there and shakes you around and then puts you back down. So it's kind of fun um, and very cool, except for the fact that I just set up my Moria geode in my large, you know, my deluxe houses, large outdoor spot. And deluxe houses uh, only have one large yard space right now, so I can't uh, have both of them at the same time. I played with it a little while and then I put it in storage and put my Moria Geode back up, which I like aesthetically better. But I really feel like a deluxe house should have at least two large yard spaces. I mean, looking around, there seems to be plenty of room, just saying. So, you know, Turbine, if you can't overhaul, uh, if you can't overhaul the housing system, I understand it. Uh, but I still think there are some tweaks that you can do to at least keep things fresh and and enhance uh, you know some things that have been kind of long-standing problems um, you know the fact that you made one chest uh, with all your storage in one area was an improvement so this would be along the lines of that how about another large yard space turbine fix it all right uh, that's enough of what I've been doing in game this week not too many instances this week hopefully I'll get back to those next week and uh, I'll also talk a little bit about what I've been doing in, with my champion and further down at another beacon. Speaking of another beacon, let's move on to Aralas. Ah, just wetting my whistle. Ah. All right, so Aralas, we're going to address a contentious subject. And uh, it's one that I hear, you know, it's a system in Lotro that's dragged through the mud week in, week out in podcasts generally castigated, and yet I feel there is a significant portion of the population that actually likes the legendary item system. I'll call them the silent minority. I'm not going to be bold enough to say it's a majority, but I think there are people in the game that like it, people that have been around long enough that understand how it works. Um, don't mind grinding it and uh, appreciate some of the advantages of it. Now, I think the legendary item system is a mixed bag. It certainly could use some tweaks here and there, you know, maybe an overhaul. Uh, the enhancements that are coming soon will be welcome. But there are some good things about it. So instead of people ranting about how terrible it is all the time, and I agree, there are some things that need to be addressed, I'm going to talk today about the top 10 things I actually like about the legendary item system. Let's give it some good pub. 
the guy who created it is probably you know hanging in a closet somewhere at this point. All right. So first of all, number one, the flexibility to customize your character. This was the whole idea in the first place, right? Allows you one more avenue, especially for min-maxers, but for everybody to say, you know, if I haven't addressed my mitigations through the virtue system or through my armor, then maybe I can do it through, um, you know, through a damage modifier that I attach to the weapon that has additional tactical mitigation. Or maybe I want to add vitality so I can get rid of some of these legacy options I'm not using. I can stack vitality. Um, certainly, some of the some of the uh, legacies available uh, that enhance your skills can be quite valuable and can make a big difference. So, the ability to customize your character, number one. Uh, number two, how they fit the idea into the lore and into the epic story. So, how you first encounter the need for legendary items through encountering the Watcher at the Black Pool. And how the epic story directs you to, uh, you know, take a cache of weapons that has been found and see if it can make the difference in fighting some of the legendary beasts in Moria. Um, great idea that they integrated it into the update where the legendary items were introduced. It was plausible. It was a good introduction. Um, it worked well in the context of the lore and the story. Number three, their abundance. <laughs> they drop like candy. There must have been some seriously epic heroes in the Third Age. I mean, they, they dropped these things, you know. They, they were like running around with a hole in their backpacks with, with legendary weapons falling out of the back. Um, you know, all over Moria, all over every place. So, yeah, maybe a little tongue-in-cheek, but certainly easy to find. At least the Third Agers are. Number four, the introduction of Starlight Crystals I thought was actually a good enhancement. People are like, why do you need more crap on top of an already complex system? But in this case, I think the use of Starlight Crystals was very simple. You get one, you double-click on it, it enhances your weapon. You don't have to worry about anything else. Um, you know, maybe you have to respec a few points into your tree, but it's easy to understand, and it adds uh, another dimension to rewards that can be gotten out of instances or raids. So I always like getting a Starlight Crystal drop when I'm doing a looting chest. Um, it's mechanics actually easy for everyone to understand and use. Good job. Number five, the ubiquitous and mysterious relic and forge masters all over Middle-earth. You know, it makes me think, Daddy, when I, when I grow up, I want to be a relic master. I live for shard melding. I like to think that these people are kind of a unique secret society, kind of like the Masons. You know, maybe they're refugees from the secret world, or at least they're unionized. But I digress. Um, the suppliers and the uh, provisioners were getting lonely. So now we got Relic Masters and Forge Masters. Number six, the cosmetics. Generally some of the cooler looking weapons in the game, with exceptions. There are some great old time weapons that unfortunately became obsolete uh, in terms of their look. And we've been told we'll never get cosmetic weapons, unfortunately. Uh, but heads off to the devs, it can't be easy to come up with on the order of, I don't know what the count is, let's say 25 or 30 new graphics every time the level cap is raised. When you think about uh, every class, the different weapons it can use, one-handers, two-handers, lore master staffs, you know, rune stones, clubs, hammers, swords, um, you name it. Goes, list goes on and on. If you look at a, a woodworker and a weaponsmith and the different options and varieties of 
of options that are available. Um, that's a lot of cosmetics. And generally speaking, I've been pretty happy with the legendary items. They Not always, but generally they're pretty cool. All right, number seven. Inspecting the entertaining names given these items by other players when you're idling time waiting for a raid to start. Uh, I think the customization of names on the weapons is uh, allowed uh, a lot of fun and uh, is usually a good time to see what, uh, you know, what, what's out there. You know, I generally, I've seen a lot of uh, funny ones. I've also seen references from other, you know, people's homages to every other fantasy books and etc. For example, uh, my lore master... A uh, book is called The Book of Three, which uh, is from the Chronicles of Prydane. It's a book of the past, present, and future prophecy. And uh, so I have a number of other, other lore references dropped in and around uh, the Chronicles of Thomas Covenant, uh, from the, um, from the uh, Sword of Shannara series, and so forth. So I always think that's uh, a good time. Um, number eight, the ability to label the items as its quote-unquote maker. There are hopefully still a lot of brag brand weapons and stuff floating around the game, and I'm proud of that. Number nine, the fact that we should not need to decon them anymore after update 15. So we'll see how easy they make this mechanic, how well they implement it, and whether it accomplishes what it was meant to accomplish. If it does, I think it might... Uh, actually relieve some revenue out of the Lotro store, uh, some things that people might uh, have been using through decons of weapons like relic removal scrolls and the like and, and uh, you know, buying additional symbols or shards or whatever. So it is going to remove a little bit of a sink in the game for currency and for turbine currency in particular, but I have a feeling they'll come up with a strategy to compensate that somehow. And lastly, number 10, the glowy stuff. Uh, legendary items glow and it looks cool. I still remember when I got my first one and I was sitting in the, the 21st Hall of Moria kind of watching it in the gloom, kind of moving the camera around, inspecting it from all different angles. The one thing that's kind of a pain, and maybe you guys know a, a workaround to this, um, generally speaking, when I get a new weapon, it's difficult to, uh, to see the full weapon using your regular camera. Um, you know, if you if you want to get a close up, and you angle your camera like really low or really high to try to get a perspective on the weapon, there's generally a piece of it that you can't see completely, which is kind of a shame. I know you can look at it in your you know wardrobe panel or whatever, but anyway, I likes me the green and white and red glows of the weapons. It always looks cool. So there you have it, legendary item haters. Ten things you can like about the legendary item system. Doesn't mean you have to like the legendary item system, but you can't dispute there's a few nuggets in there that are worthwhile. And that's our top 10 list for the week. So let's move on to Min Rimon. All right, Min Rimon, it's now time for a word from our sponsors. First of all, we've got Barrow Bree. This episode of Light the Beacons is brought to you by Barrow Bree. Barrow Brie, tight, smeared thick on a nice piece of lembus bread. It'll look like Christmas going off over the top of your head, red and green and red and green. Try Barrow Brie with your mac and cheese. It makes a hobotomy fill up with glee and poison. And also sponsored by Phil Gashin's Diner. Next time you're in the Flaming Deep, stop by Phil Gashin's Diner. Open 24 hours. Tuesday's new weekly event is a penny till your alert is sentry. 
All ales, only a penny apiece, until a sentry is alerted. And yes, we have them stationed in the restrooms. Phil Gashins, come for the ale, stay for the brawl. If you have to ask what's in the meat, you should be eating at a fancier place. Lastly, I wanted to give one more shout-out to the Sarah O'Cart Foundation for Slow-Moving Children, or Softscum. Softscum. Please pay hag donations to socart at aol.com, because time is a beautiful thing to waste. Moving on to our sixth beacon, Callanhad. In Callanhad this week, we are going to have a Lotro quest highlight. And it's really a long quest chain. The blade that was broken, ending in the tomb of Elendil. These quest chains starts off at level 32 and finishes off at level 40. 19 quests in all. Almost an epic book in and of itself, in a way. So, uh, my champion has been traveling through the North Downs. And after saving Trestle Bridge in the epic, uh, was directed to Halbrad, who sent me to Rivendell to talk to Aragorn. And Aragorn starts to tell me about uh, his feeling that it is time to take the shards of Narsal and reforge them as had been prophesied of old. This is one of Lotro's greatest quest chains, in my opinion. It takes epic events in the lore and weaves them into our story seamlessly. Plus, we make it happen. We are responsible for a very key input into the reforging of the Sword of Narsal. So something that's covered in the books clearly and is talked about, but um, you know not in detail, right? Not, not exactly how it was forged, what ingredients were needed, and so forth. And Turbine found a way to, um, to take our story in the North Downs and Even Dim and really highlight that zone and, and make a very plausible addition to the lore uh, that led to us being directly involved. Um, it also adds one of my favorite NPCs in Lotro, Gwyndeth, with her star-crossed romance with Kalinglad, and also the concept of the Silithars. Um, now, the Silithar is outside of Tolkien lore, probably due to the rights issues with the Silmarillion. There is no Silithar directly in the Tolkien lore, but it's totally believable as an adamant shard, perhaps either from a destroyed Silmaril or as a byproduct of their original forging. You know, it's the, the light of the elves, uh, you know, of Valinor is embedded in these shards, these Silithars, uh, just as they were in the Silmarillion. So you can obviously see the silly prefix, which, uh, which uh, shadows the Silmarillion, but doesn't reference it directly. So I think they're dancing around the rights issue here of the Silmarillion, but doing it in a very clever way. Uh, so first let's talk about Gwyndeth, who lives in Gwyndelthrond. Uh, Sindarin, Thrond is Sindarin for pinnacle. Deep within the folded lands along the shores of Nenuel, known to most as Lake Everswim, lies a grotto, its entrance hidden behind a waterfall. But this is no ordinary cave, for it is home to Gwyndeth, the blue lady of Evendim. Who or what she is remains a mystery, and she has dwelt at Gwyndelthrond for many an age and was a friend to the kings of Arnor, from Elendil to Amleth of Fornost the first king of Arthedane. Some believe she is kin to the river maidens who we have encountered in Enidwaith, though her temperament is much stronger than theirs, or perhaps even one of the messengers of the Valar who chose long ago to remain in Middle-earth. At the behest of Amleth, Gwyndis placed under her protection the last of the Silithair, gems of surpassing beauty and power crafted by the elves. 
Aragorn, son of Arathorn, came to Gwyndithron to seek the Silithar, but Gwyndith turned him aside. He was not yet ready. Aragorn still hopes the Silithar can be recovered, for its power will be needed to help drive back the shadow in the east. So Gwyndith, unlike the river maidens of uh, Enidwaith, um, was developed as a character, and you know we've met her repeatedly through the epic story at this point. And, uh, you know, there's a bit of humanity in her, which I find, find very intriguing given her, given her airs. And uh, I'm still hoping there's maybe a sliver of a happy ending somewhere down the line for her in Kalinglad. We'll, we'll see if they, they ever close that story arc. So the Silithar, I found uh, some descriptions out there in Lotro Wikis, are adamants assumed to have been crafted by elves of the House of Fionor. Um, again, Fenor is the line of uh, elves from Valinor, from, um, from the Silmarillion, which possessed the light of the stars. One of these Silithar were used by Telkar, the legendary dwarven smith, to forge Narsal originally, the sword that cut the One Ring from the hand of Sauron and began its peculiar journey. Um, so, etc., etc., etc. The Silithar was eventually put down in Elendil's symbolic tomb, Haud Elendil, at Enuminas, and is long since drowned by the powers of Gwyndeth to protect it from unrighteous hands. We need her help to recover. So the tomb of Elendil in Enuminas is actually a symbolic tomb. Um, Halifirian, the holy mount and the seventh of the beacons that lead from uh, Minas Tirith to Edoras, is also considered to be a tomb of Elendil, which I think I mentioned previously. And later also... Um, the coffin that was entombed there was removed to the hollows of Minas Tirith, according to my sources. So, um, that being said, apparently Elendil's had several final resting places, but uh, when you receive the Tomb of Elendil quest at the end of this quest, Jane, it was a fellowship quest, so it was often difficult, even in the old days, to find people that were going through and doing it. And I remember when I, when I first got there on, on Bragg, my main, I saved the quest in my quest log for many weeks until I finally found a group that was uh, was preparing to, to execute it. Uh, I Now, based on the fact that I executed that, I always save this quest in my quest log just in case um, someone else needs it because I never mind doing it. Um, it's not called for nearly as much as in the old days, but it's basically a full instance and a pretty well done one. One that I think that they could release as a real instance uh, with very little work at this point in time that could be repeatable. Um, you know, there's lots of assets in the game that are underused that I think could easily be adopted for that kind of need. So if they're having trouble developing new raids or instances, they might want to consider going back and retrofitting some of these that are already available. So um, basically, as you penetrate uh, the tomb in Enuminas, you come across um, a room that's filled with Kurgrim, which on level was rather dangerous. They burst out of a room and bum-rushed you, and um, you know, generally speaking, you need a lot of AoE to get through that encounter. Uh, then you confront the tomb robbers, finally, that um, one after the other enter the fray. It's kind of a battle of attrition uh, until the final tomb robber boss uh, is attacked as well. And then when you're finished with that and you think you're done with all the with all the mobs within the tomb of Elendil, uh, Gwyndeth arrives and shows you a secret passageway through a waterfall that leads you to um, a deep cave with a kind of a mount or island mounted in the middle uh, with a giant turtle um, sitting on it. 
this is maybe the first of many giant turtles <laughs> that you will encounter in your journeys in Lotro. Uh, if you guys remember, just to run off a few of them, in Angmar, in eastern Malinhad, there's a great quest with a giant turtle where you have to steal its egg and run into um, an orc encampment and throw the egg into the fire and the um, and the uh, the mama turtle comes into the encampment and just lays waste to every last person in there and all you have to do is survive long enough to get the egg into the fire and let the turtle do the rest but it's kind of fun watching her just absolutely destroy all the trolls and orcs in there so that's actually one of my favorite quests from Angmar uh, of course there's uh, Nornuel and the waterworks for the Philokul raid, uh, and the little turtle Nanu you can win for your for your yard if you're lucky enough. I've never seen it. Gosh darn it! After a billion turtle runs, uh, there's Festa Toklin, which I did a uh, segment on in an earlier episode of LTD out in the East Mnet near the Fenmarch for the uh, Monsters and Men quest. Uh, there's a new warband in Gondor that's a giant turtle. Um, of course, you can get an LM pet that's a turtle as well. I call mine Gamera. For those of you who remember the uh, my, my favorite old uh, time Saturday morning Godzilla-era monster turtle. So there's, there's plenty of turtles out there in Lotro. Someone likes turtles, obviously. And they keep getting bigger and bigger. But uh, the one at the end of this instance, as I remember, it had a kind of a cool mechanic. Um in that he had a shell that was basically mitigated almost all damage like it was like 80 or 90 percent mitigation as i recall something really ridiculous and uh, it was almost impossible to burn him down unless you had a burglar in your party and if you did a burglar fm and did all yellows on it you basically cracked the shell and after that he would take damage uh you know much more regularly aside from that he had a knockback which would throw you off the island and break your leg you didn't have to run back up and I think he had a number of friends that were hopping around his ads, uh, helping him out as well. So it was a challenging encounter on level. Uh, but if you do complete it, you get um, a great reward. Like the one they should have had at the end of the Dolmroth dailies. And I'm not going to forget a Turbine. The Forging of Narsal. So if, after you recover the Silithar from the Tomb of Elendil, you bring it back to Rivendell. And... Um, there's basically, for me, one of my all-time greatest memories in Lotro, kind of an epic, total geek-out moment for me, where you're standing by the forges, and Elrond is there, and Gandalf is there, Aragorn, Bilbo, Frodo, Arwen, and the forge master Hameldir, and they forge the sword, and they hand it to Aragorn, and he lifts it up in the air, Anduril, Flame of the West. Um, so yes, it was uh, made in Rivendell before they left, uh, before the before the nine left Rivendell. Unlike the liberties taken by Peter Jackson in the movies. Um, so this is true to the epic. And uh, finishing off that little that little uh, story quest for that chain line is one of my favorite quest capstones in Lotro. So I encourage you guys to finish this quest line if you never have. Uh, either go back into the Tomb of Lundell as an overlevel character or find some kinnies, better yet, that are willing to accompany you and uh, go witness the forging of Narsal. You won't regret it if you're a Tolkien fan at all. And with that, we have come to Halifirian, the seventh beacon, the holy mount. It's time for blessed relief. Time to crack an ale. Brings us to the end of the 17th episode of Light the Beacons. 
I would love to hear your plaudits, feedback, rants, diatribes, and most of all, your constructive critique. You can contact me at bragsonofballon at gmail.com. That's brag with two A's. The second I stands for artichokes. On Facebook or Twitter at bragsonofballon or my website at lightthebeacons.com where you can post comments directly on the podcast. And I kindly request that you take the time to create an iTunes review if perchance you are so inclined. I would very much appreciate it. If your comments incite me to forego my dwarven apathy, I will try to include them in the next podcast or at least respond in some way. Pardon me while I belch. I hope you laughed either at or with me. I hope you might have learned at least a little something you didn't know before, or perhaps looked at the game with a slightly different perspective. And most of all, I hope you enjoy your time this week in Middle-earth. This is Bragg, son of Balin, signing off. Baruch Kazad! And remember, when a woman with blue skin asks you to clean up some grimy statues around a nearly deserted island in the middle of a huge lake covered with flaming salamanders, don't despair. Light the beacons. Speaking of light the beacons, we should be nearly ready for our fireworks show tomorrow night, Grima. Is everyone is everything hooked up to the main trigger yet? Get that candle away from that pile of fuses, you craven cur. Didn't Saruman warn you about... Oh, no, you unmitigated dotard. What have you done? Run for cover! Ah! <laughs>